Hello, everyone, and welcome to Quinn Cummings Gives Bad Advice, the podcast where I, Quinn Cummings, give advice to people I do not know. If you're joining us for the first time, you may be asking yourself, does Quinn really want to give me bad advice? And the answer is no, I do not want to give you bad advice. I want to give you good advice. But I have absolutely no qualification to give you any sort of advice at all. I am not Michael Cohen. I am not Peter Strzok. I am not Bob Woodward. I give advice because it amuses me to do so. So you might be asking yourself, will this advice I'm about to give you be good advice? Well, I think the answer is in the title of the podcast. If you want me to give you bad advice, you can leave a question for me at qcbad.com. It's completely anonymous, and better yet, it's completely free. So I can offer up this advice with a 100% money-back guarantee. Now, let's get started. Our first question comes from qcbad.com. Subject, cat versus boyfriend. Dear Quinn, in April, I adopted a kitten. I live in a studio apartment where I eat, sleep, and work in the same room. Adopting him was the best decision of 2020. This cat is getting me through all the mayhem in the world. My boyfriend doesn't come from a pet family. He'd never even seen a kitten up close before. He started out supportive but distant. The kitten, of course, is irresistible, and he came around. Now he even misses the kitten when he's at his place. The thing is, we've been fighting more lately, and he brings up the cat as a replacement for him. It's like he's playing the cat card when we're arguing. He also seems a little jealous when I pay too much attention to my new pandemic buddy. Let me clarify, we're not fighting more because of the cat. We've been stressed a lot lately because of, well, look around. Anyway, any advice? Everyone is losing their mind just a little bit. For the sake of this discussion, I will assume your boyfriend is just being temporarily 2020 jerkish and not in fact showing you who he really is. Although, children and pets have this weird ability to give you an x-ray of who someone really is. Just saying. Anyway, he is not being replaced, unless he is. Since it appears you aren't replacing him with a cat, this is an insane statement. I don't like arguing about things which are insane, because I feel as if this gives them more weight than they deserve. I mean, would you reason with a flat earther? Also, if you argue about whether or not the kitten is taking up your attention, Your boyfriend is getting your attention, which means on some level his brain just thought, say, this worked. When my brain gremlin starts screaming, I should do that again. So my bad advice is cut off crazy at the pass with a suggestion that completely reroutes the energy. Say something like, how would you feel about teaching the cat a few tricks? Maybe suggest that he and the cat work on something together, like he can start training the cat to walk on a leash if you have some outside place where he could be safe. The cat, not the boyfriend. Or, if he really enjoys a challenge, 
and again, this time I mean the boyfriend, I have no idea how your kitten feels about challenges, maybe they try clicker training. It certainly doesn't happen overnight, but he could teach the kitten to sit, to give a high five, to call Blue Shield and argue a denial of coverage for you. Cats love arguing. The point being, if his jealousy is partially COVID crazy and partially because he feels as if the dynamic has shifted and he's left out of the new family, give him the way back in. Kitten training takes time, real time. But during that time, he either bonds more with the kitten and doesn't begrudge your kitten time because he and the kitten are almost giving each other high fives, or you see he's an impatient and insecure jerk and you arrange your life accordingly. Either way, good luck. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, Abusive X. Dear Quinn, is there ever a good time to tell your kids about your marriage with their father? When they're full-fledged adults? Only when they inquire? Only when they start to recognize the mental and verbal abuse themselves? I don't want them to hate him, but I'd really love to break the cycle and patterns of abuse before they marry their father, so to speak. I think you don't lie, but neither do you burden them with information they can't handle. This is still their father, however they may end up feeling about him. So, how do you split the difference? First, depending on the age of your offspring, you look into our whole lives. What is our whole lives? I'm going to read a bit of their description. Quote, Our whole lives helps participants make informed and responsible decisions about their sexual health and behavior. It equips participants with accurate, age-appropriate information in six subject areas. Human development, relationships, personal skills, sexual behavior, sexual health, and society and culture, end quote. It's incredibly thorough and intentional series of classes taking children from kindergarten through high school. No, they do not get the same lessons. I mention this program because before everything went all quarantine, I had volunteered to facilitate this program with middle schoolers, and oh, the awkward silences I saw. But what I love about it, besides watching 7th graders writhe when I use the correct terms for body parts, is how much conversation there is about consent, about what to expect from our partners, about how to treat each other. And our kids desperately need this conversation. One in three adolescents in the United States is a victim of physical, sexual, emotional, or verbal abuse from a dating partner. Not all of them saw bad behavior at home. Kids are terrifyingly certain they know how everything is, and they're wrong. This is how people end up dating drummers. Show your kids how it can work, how it should work, using this neutral third party of a class. If you see a relationship that works around them, point it out. Say aloud, isn't it great how Pat and Terry don't always agree but still speak to each other kindly? Or your aunt can go back to grad school because she knows Uncle Eric supports her 100%. It seems obvious to you, but nothing is obvious to kids. And if there isn't an adult pointing out when something is right, they may miss it. And 
by the way, if you continue to point out relationships which work, if you put them in classes which talk about how relationships should be, they will eventually figure out that their father was not a healthy partner, but they won't get there until they're ready to learn it. Good luck. Okay, uh, this one is a bit of a callback. Someone wanted to add a bit about certified financial planners, and I think it's, well, good advice, and you deserve a little bit of that. Hi, Quinn. New listener catching up on your backlog. Just heard the question about whether to buy a house. I was very happy to hear you suggest a certified financial planner, but waited in vain for one but small, important caveat. Financial planners get paid two ways. The obvious and straightforward way where you pay them for their time and expertise, and the tempting but dangerous way where they get paid by commission on the financial products they sell you. I suspect the way I framed it has tipped you off to the one I would recommend. Note, I'm not an expert of any sort. I just listen to a lot of Marketplace and Planet Money. However, my better half also learned this lesson the hard way. She really, really wanted to buy Google when it went public, but her Wells Fargo-based certified financial planner insisted that it was too risky. I thought at the time, and I still think, that it was because Google did a non-traditional IPO that meant the big investment banks didn't get to wet their beaks. She still kicks herself for some of the advice that she accepted from that guy. Fee-based CFP every time. Thank you, new listener. And now everyone else knows, too. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, getting off social media. Except QCBad. Dear Quinn, I have friends who insist getting off social media as COVID drags on has made them feel better. What can I do instead? I can't be social in person, and I'm sick of TV, movies, and even cocktails at this point. Help! I think part of the reason we're all getting a little crazy right now, and I don't know if you've noticed, but we're all getting a little crazy right now. And not just a temporary quirky because of the circumstance, but, you know, this might be rewiring my brain kind of crazy, is that human beings aren't designed to live this way. Social interaction has been refined over millennia to be the trading of verifiable information with people you trust, using not only your words, but tone, expression, the nuances of your body language. Social media is not social interaction. It's social interaction cosplay and is designed to create a problem and then slightly soothe the problem, a cycle guaranteed to keep you looking at their ads. As the saying goes, if you aren't paying for the product, you are the product. I applaud anyone who stops being Mark Zuckerberg's battery hen. But you're still sick of all the usual distractions, and you have every reason to be. I have decided at least 80% of what I do every day has to be good. What is good, you may ask? I must improve something. I must improve me which means I found a free app from UCLA about meditation, and I am doing a great deal of shutting my eyes in an intentional manner. I've also discovered there are Zumba classes available on Amazon Prime. 
Yes, Bezos does not need more money, but he already has my prime money for the year. So, hey, prepaid classes. Or I help consort in his quarantine mission to improve the house one room at a time, which honestly mostly means getting out of his way because sometimes doing good is avoiding a stupid squabble. I also do good by keeping a foster kitten or two in the kid's bedroom, which is not for everyone, but it's the good I can do. Of course, this means I'm on Instagram because I'm putting up pictures of the kittens and generally being a Zuckerberg battery hen, but kittens have a small window where they are at their most adoptable. As Alec Baldwin so wisely counseled in Glengarry Glen Ross, always be closing. So, I guess my suggestion is create a goal or a rule or a series of tasks, all of which are broken down into small manageable assignments so you won't add to the new despair rewire. Imagine yourself a year from now, handing someone a box of candy you made, then showing them a picture of the iguana you are fostering, which is currently living in the bathroom you retiled. Are you weird? Possibly. But you're also happy, and you didn't need a filter to create that feeling. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, what do I do with Trumper art? Dear Quinn, shortly before this administration, I bought some original paintings from a local artist, a fairly new acquaintance of mine. I intended to hang the art in a kid's room turned guest room. Shortly after the purchase, I learned she is self-absorbed, not given to saying thank you, and a huge Trump fan. The budding friendship died a natural death. The paintings lie unhung in a closet. I still like them as art, but I can't look at them without my blood pressure rocketing upwards. What should I do? Artists are not always good people. Norman Mailer almost killed one of his wives in a fit of rage. William Burroughs shot his wife in the face. Patricia Highsmith and Ezra Pound, Virginia Woolf, and T.S. Eliot were all enthusiastic anti-Semites. In the visual arts, Picasso once described women as vehicles for suffering, which I think is now my drag king name. Gauguin raped children and gave them syphilis as a parting gift. I won't even mention Bill Cosby, or as we now know him, Prisoner 804746. Terrible people can create beauty. If her sheer god-awfulness has erased the beauty you used to see in the art, well, it's in your guest bedroom. How often do you see it? If you see it that often that it's still bugging you, maybe put it in the bathroom? Over a toilet? I mean, her politics would indicate she's happiest proximal to shit. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject? Teen Changing Schools. Dear Quinn, I think my 15-year-old should transfer to a different high school in the fall, which is not something my husband or I ever thought we'd consider. Kid discovered the school from a friend and, in typical kid character, impulsively said, I am going. I have evolved to thinking it is probably the best thing for the kid, but husband is not there. I am torn about being a united front with my husband and doing what I really think is best for our kid. He hasn't articulated reasons beyond, I don't see that happening. 
there is no additional cost aside from rather than getting on this school bus in front of the house, kid will have to be driven from the suburbs to the heart of the city. The school is project-based and completely different than the traditional local school system where we live. School is smaller, would provide a much-needed fresh start, and appeals to kids' creative nature. Kid is a strong personality, similar to the husband, but on the opposite side of any opinion. I imagine he thinks I'm being manipulated by the kid to just get another thing the kid wants. What do I do? You said they're basically the same person. Your husband thinks your son is manipulating you. Guess what? Your husband is also trying to manipulate you. Each one of them has a view, and they want you to see it their way and not the other way, by using facts or feelings or whatever it takes to bring you over to their side. Or manipulating. I suspect they are using you as a way of avoiding dealing with this with each other head-on. But dealing with each other head-on is the only way this stops. We're all stuck together right now, which certainly doesn't help matters. I want you to Google how to fight fair. There are a ton of websites which have rules. Most of them are more similar than they are different. Pick five you think are most relevant to how your family talks to each other when you fight. Write them up. And bring these two to the table, hold up the rules and say, you two are talking this out and we're doing this respectfully. And then hold them to it. If your son really wants this new education, explain to him that he has to learn how to argue in a civilized manner for what he wants. I want it because I want it is not an adult way of making your argument. Your husband wants to have a relationship with the man his son is becoming. He has to learn to listen to his son and not just shut him down with, that's not happening. This will be uncomfortable, but ultimately, as important as the school might be and will be, learning to talk to each other differently might matter more in the long run. They love each other. Now they have to learn how to talk to each other. I think that's enough bad advice for today. And remember, I can't give you bad advice if you don't ask for it. Your question doesn't have to be profound, complex, or emotionally demanding. It can be about pretty much anything because, let's face it, I am unqualified to offer advice across a wide range of subject matter. And as we all know, sometimes the nuttiest question gets the best bad advice. You can reach me on Twitter, at Quincy. That's Q-U-I-N-N-C-Y at Twitter.com. Or you can post a question to qcbad.com. Just log into letter Q, letter C, B-A-D.com, and there's a question form right there. The question can be any length, but I'm finding they work better if they're shorter. Just a hint. Before I go, I'd like to thank Richard Emmett, who composed my groovy music, and Keith Greenstein, who designed my groovy logo. People have already started asking me how they can get a Bad Advice Fork in a Toaster t-shirt or coffee mug, and my answer to them is, hang in there. We are working on it. I also want to thank Phil Rohr and Prime Rib Productions for making it possible for you to hear any of this. Okay, that's enough for now. Keep those questions coming, and I'll see you all next time.